Welcome to Gospel Central, where we help ministry-minded Christians to think through Jesus Christ's life, death, and resurrection. We are here to discuss how this gospel is the very heart of the Christian faith and how it empowers all of life and ministry. We are your hosts. I'm Ed. And I'm Simon. And we are glad to have you listening in as we consider all kinds of practical and theological topics through the lens of the gospel. Well, I can't believe it, Simon. We have made it through one season. Wow, we're right at the end. This is indeed the last episode of uh, this first season of Gospel Central. Are you saying that there's going to be another season? We definitely hope so. Uh, fingers crossed. God willing. Um, and we thought that it would be nice as the last episode of this season to talk about something fairly close to our hearts, which would be uh, gospel and parenting. Um, we do not intend this episode to be the wisdom on all everything uh, on parenting. Uh, parenting is a difficult and, and laborious process. Um, we'll be sharing a little bit of experience later on. Um, but uh, we thought that it would be just nice for us to talk about something about how the gospel in fact can actually impact something that's um, fairly on a day-to-day basis uh, part of our lives, parenting. Um, so, but just to establish our street crafts, Simon, do we have kids? <laughs> yes, we do. In fact, between the two of us, we have seven of them. So let me tell you briefly about my family. I've got three children. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've got a 14-year-old daughter, Tyra. I've got a um, 12-year-old son, Rory. And I've got a nine-year-old daughter, Kate. So two girls and a boy. They're um, in different phases of their schooling, secondary school, um, two in primary school, one just doing his PSLE. So... Yeah, those are my those are my kids. Tell us about your family, Ed. And Simon is going through the phase of being a stressed up uh, PSLE parent. That's right. And I, uh, my kids are only slightly younger. I have three kids who are in primary school. I have one in um, I have um, sorry, I have eleven year old who is a girl, uh, Evangeline, and um, I have a nine year old daughter, um, Elizabeth, uh, Peter who is nine years old. So all those, oh sorry, Peter is. I beg your pardon. Peter is um is going to be eight at end of this year. So, um, and those three are my kids in primary school, and I have uh, Emmanuel, or sometimes called Emma, um, who is uh, four and a half years old, and she's in kindergarten. All right. So, um, we want to think a little bit about parenting, and you know how the gospel shapes how we think about our parenting. So, do you want to maybe? Tell us very briefly how we're thinking about the gospel, what that is before we dive into parenting and its applications. I think an aspect of the gospel that definitely bears upon parenting is that um, is our really as how the death and resurrection of Jesus has brought us into this relationship with the God the Father. Right. Which means that um, in a sense of how we receive the grace and love of God the Father, um, how he relates to us. And the Bible speaks a lot about how God relates to us as our son, as as His sons and daughters. Yes. And I think that that actually has an immediate um, relevance and impact on uh, parenting. That's right. It's not as though God is just one who's a king over us, although that imagery is absolutely true. Mm-hmm. But the fact that God uses this paradigm mm-hmm. and t- calls Himself a father to us and Definitely. calls us His children means that. Um, this has massive implications for how we think about our own children and and how we raise them. Yeah. So, Ed, tell us a little bit about um, you know what the gospel has to do with parenting, and how how this reality of God being our Father brought to Him through Jesus helps you think through what it means to be a parent. 
I think first of all, let's uh, uh, let's put this as the most important thing to think to talk about, which is that our hopes and desires for our children, right, uh, would not be um, scoring in the PSLE, right? Although that would be nice. Um, and it's not even for them to grow up to be lawyers, engineers, accountants. Yep. Um, that would not definitely be the priority that's shaped by the gospel. But one of the most important things that we desire for our children is for them to actually know God yes. through the gospel. And if that's the priority that we have for our children, that means that um, gospel and parenting are actually coming very close to, close to one another. Do you have other thoughts on how the gospel and uh, parenting are related to one another? Well, I think just to iterate um, or to reiterate what you're saying, there's no doubt that as those who've been saved um, from damnation mm-hmm. through the gospel, mm-hmm. that our greatest desire is for our children to know our Lord, mm-hmm. um, not only because of the negative consequences of our sin that we're avoiding, but also because we as image bearers know that we're made to know God and to love Him. Mm-hmm. And so it's our greatest desire our children would understand their mm-hmm. maker, to know their purpose, to use all their gifts and talents mm-hmm. um, for His kingdom. Uh, and then as parents, we can like, inspire our kids to be the best that they can be, mm-hmm. but not for any sense of their own financial gain or glory, right. but saying, yeah, apply yourself, work hard, um, because God has put gifts inside of you that He wants to use actually to bless the world mm-hmm. and to reflect His glory to a world. So. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the ways that we've tried to think about our kids and try to urge them to to encourage them to use their lives for God's glory. That mm. um, is really because of who God's God's made them to be as His image bearers. I think what you said reminded me of uh, something you shared um, in one of the early sermons. I don't maybe you've not heard that for some time, but it's almost like this conversation, um, and I tried to have that conversation with my kids as well, which is like. Um, it's almost like, do you think I love you? Because it can happen if, at a, when kids are fairly young. Not not a teenager. I don't think it <laughs> But <laughs> they will really eyes at you. But, but it's more like, do you think I love you because you are, you know, you're cute? Um, or you're pretty? No. And they say, and then they may pretend to say yes, but they say, no, that's not why I love you. Right? Do, do you think I love you? Because um, you're obedient. Because I you do what I ask you to do all the time. You eat all your vegetables or do your homework. Exactly. Right? Um, no, that's not the reason why I love you. And you get to the point where you say, no, the reason why I love you is because you are you. You are my son and you're my daughter. That's, that's right. why I love you. Right? And I think that um, for a child to actually be able to like differentiate the reasons why their parents love them. Yes from their performance, from their achievements, from even their so-called obedience, although I do tend to find them easier to love, to be honest. (laughs) Did you just admit that on a podcast? I just admitted that on a podcast, that I find my children easier to to love and they are more obedient. I do find it humanly true. I'm sure that that's the experience (laughs) of us. But we do want to assure our children that deep down in the end, our love and acceptance of them is not conditioned upon their obedience. That's right. Although it can be enhanced, I'm sure it can, but then it is not conditioned upon that at all. Absolutely. Their obedience certainly helps our relationship and is good for them and for us in every way. It's something that we desire, but our mm. love for them is not based on that. And I guess that's something you just reminded me of that 
um, story that, that I told was something we tried to do with our kids when they, when they were young and do it mm. over and over again to try and drill that into their, into their heads in a mm. sense yes, and really establish that category that, um, you know, saying that why do we love them, helping them think through all the ways that they could be tempted to think we love them, denying all of those, say mm. we love them because they are sons and daughters, and then following it up by saying, can anything ever stop you being my son or my daughter? And right. I would say, no. It's like, well, there we go. Right. It's like, I love you because that's your status and that can never change. So right. you are safe and secure in that love. Um, and it's mm. funny, even though we haven't been through that routine with our kids for many years now because they're a lot older, it's funny that I, hearing you say that in the last week, actually, I had I did have a conversation with one of our kids where they were really a little bit anxious about something mm-hmm. and, and about how they would do in a certain situation. And I actually went back to remind them and say, Hey, is this why we love you or care for you? And, and just rehearse that in a sense, mm. because those categories have been put in place. Hopefully it's more believable um, for them at this stage. So Ed, let's think a little bit about how uh, parents in some sense, particularly when their kids are smaller, but I guess as kids grow up as well, have a very, um, significant role in their children's lives because they are, in some sense, the first authority figures in their children's lives. Mm. So how does that make you think about the weight um, mm. and the responsibility of parenting your kids? Um, heavy. <laughs> That's yeah. the word that comes to my mind. Is that um, because, I mean, uh, whether lucky or not, uh, when you have children, um, you are actually one of the first authority figures they encounter in their lives. And the way that you relate to them really shapes and form the lay, the foundation, so to speak, of how they think about authority. Right. And I suspect that a lot of our um, young generations now, um, distrust of authority um, and being a father's generation, that's being spoken about a lot, has is, is due to how they perceive that their parents have either neglected them or abused their the authority right. is very and is sadly very rare that um, children will actually uh, encounter benevolent authority that actually wants to help them grow for their own good right yes. um, give them instructions for their own good and that is not the common thing but um, which is why I think that that's actually a heavy weight on parents especially Christian parents because when you think about this there's a sense in which that the degree, the degree to which we actually uh, mirror God in our relationship to them would help our kids to actually perceive who God will be when they grow up. Of course, they can all be like redeemed by God, of course, by His grace. Right? Yes, yeah. part of it. We don't want to undermine how God can redeem any situation mm. and reveals Himself um, in in many ways to us. But that is a responsibility we have, and when we think about how. At the root of the serpent's lie to Eve was uh, casting doubt on the character and the goodness of God mm-hmm. and the credibility of God's word and his promises and his intentions. You realize that our role then of representing God to our children becomes so crucial because if we distort that image ourselves, then we are making it that much harder in a sense for them to obey mm. and trust God. And, you know, having said that, we do want to be realistic to recognize as sinners, we are marring the image of God to our children every day. So right. we do want to not act as though there's this possibility of us representing God perfectly. That's impossible. But mm. along that spectrum, we really want to be aware 
um, so that we are doing our best to try and help our children understand the goodness of God. And given your remarks on how we imperfectly mirror God, um, I think that points to another aspect of um, our relationship with our children, because um, if you if we are if you are Christians, then very much um, we are the first Christians that our our, our children will get to observe uh, up close and personal, so to speak, or what it means to be a Christian, right? And yes. um, I think. It does mean that, uh, for example, we need to reassure really them that what what is being a Christian at the heart of it is that we are sinners saved by grace. That's right. And so, um, in some sense, we are actually modeling for them what it looks like to grow in repentance and faith. Um, and I don't know. I don't know how my kids think of me. I mean, to be honest, <laughs> um, um, um. But I, for at least I think one of the uh, implications of this would be that, um, to be to be honest, my kids, to tell them that you know, for example, if I've been harsh with them, to apologize, at the very least, or even to say that, hey, I'm sorry that I've sinned against you by being so harsh with you, you know, it's also a sin against God. I want you to know that. And yes. um, can I invite you to come pray with me now? I mean, yes. and to do that. And not to make too big a deal out of it, but for the kids to know that this is actually part of our everyday life and part of our everyday language. And for them to know that this is actually something normal, but yet God is someone that we can go to at any time as well, even when we're in sin. I think that's a great point. In a sense, what we're saying is there are at least two ways that we're modeling to our children. In the one sense, particularly when they're younger, we're to be a picture of good authority the way God is. But that's not to be the only way that we are to raise our kids in a sense more importantly or fundamentally is that we're also to model to them how we ourselves are disciples what a christian is that's right and some parents <clears throat> could think of that as a way like oh they have to be perfect they've got to be holy the kids get to see them all the time they can't sin and one of the things we've often s- reminded parents of in the church is that that's not necessarily the right way to think about it mm-hmm. because a christian is not fundamentally someone who's right all the time and obeys god all the time and no. never does anything wrong a christian is a sinner who's saved by grace That's right. and who repents and puts this, their faith in Jesus. And so what it means primarily for parents to model the gospel to their children is not to be perfect, mm-hmm. but actually when they do sin, to be transparent about that and to model their repentance and their confession to God, to their children mm-hmm. humbly and to God themselves. So their children are seeing a live model of what it looks like to actually trust in the righteousness of Jesus and see their parents grow. And that's actually incredibly liberating, right? Because as parents, we realize, gosh, we're not going to get it right all the time. We do sin all the time with our kids. But even amazingly, in our sin and our weakness, we can actually show our kids the goodness of God and the beauty of the gospel. And in some sense, it's very interesting to me. I think it's very humbling as well, is that um, we find it very, I mean, we find it very very humbling to our pride, obviously, when we need to... um, even confess our sins to our children, especially yes. in ways how we have been, how we offended them. But I also, maybe it's just my own experience. My kids are still fairly young, but I've often also been humbled as well by how um, kids actually um, grow relationally as well because they tend they, they learn as well through this to recognize that uh, they're quick to forgive. They're quick to say I forgive you. They're quick to say. You know, okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, this is. Uh, thank you for saying that. That's right? a really great example. Yeah, and you know, instead of like, um, I I notice that often it's adults that we find it more difficult to 
extend forgiveness because of our, of our pride as well. So that is something that um, I don't know whether it's common across all kids, but that's something I've observed in some of the kids that I've encountered uh, as well. And I think that for us, even as parents, we actually then recognize that actually in some sense, um, what G.K. Kesterton says is, is, is true, right? God is actually forever youthful. Mm. God is actually forever Joy, joyful and willing to forgive us and in mm. some sense a child actually mirrors the image of God wow. some, in some sense um, more than us that's really beautiful mm. and let's think a little bit about family worship mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. so tell us a little bit about how this looks like in your home how you've thought about it how it's changed over the years uh, to be honest uh, it's a record of up and ups and downs I wish that I have a perfect record on um, like we have been doing it every day consistently um, but this is um, a few things we have done um, we began actually um, haltingly I think and the very first few years of my having kids would be that every week once or twice we'll gather as family to um, to read the Bible together you'll be typically be for some we can recommend some group resources for you if you're looking for them um, like the um, like the big picture uh, story Bible or the Jesus Story Bible, or I think that's called the Gospel Story Bible, if I'm not wrong. The green one, I can't remember. Not uh, sure. The one that always points to Jesus at the okay. end of the story, not the Celeloids. You do okay. I think you mentioned that one, um, but I forgot the title of that book. Um, and we will read the story of the kids. Sometimes the kids will ask more questions, and um, yep, and at the end we'll pray together. Um, then that slowly developed into something that is a bedtime routine that where we, we read that story with the kids and, and, and that often these uh, books come with questions at the end. Our kids will actually love to answer those questions. And after that, we will pray. Sometimes they have more questions to ask. Sometimes the questions they ask you will astound you because they are little minds are thinking about what it means to love people, what it means to sin. And you're often surprised by the questions they ask, right, right, um, which can be very difficult, but it's good, right, because it's en- they are engage they are engaging, and sometimes, as uh, I must confess, as a very impatient dad, um, I often wish they didn't ask so many questions as well, but um, um, the recent thing that we have picked up this year, um, during COVID, is that we added in this um time of actually not really, I mean, not family worship like going to God's word, but we sing a hymn together okay. um, before dinner okay. and we pray together as a family. So we've been praying, for example, I mean, like sometimes in response to the hymn, sometimes just using the time to pray for salvation of our family, our extended mm. family members. Yeah. And of course, we give thanks for the food as well. Yeah. That, and, and yeah, that's, that's, that's like part of what we do. So doing something low-key, consistent, I mean, not for me, but regularly and then you yeah and that's like easy to do as well you often do it within like 10 to 15 minutes most max yeah Sounds how about you so i think we found this challenging over the years and mm. we definitely had moments where it's worked a lot better mm. and times where it hasn't worked well or we just mm. haven't been good at doing it with the family mm-hmm. so it's taken on many forms and i think one of the encouragements i would give parents is not to look at a magic formula right as like exactly. this is the way that you do mm. it how, yep. this is how many times a week the time of day this is what it looks like it must involve these elements mm. you just want to get your kids praying 
you want to get them um, in the Bible in some form, talking about their faith. Mm. And any way you can do that is great. Yes. So we've done various things over the years. Um, at one stage, we put together a prayer roster where mm. we pray for different things every day of the week. So mm -hmm. Mondays was like for missions. Tuesday was the church. Wednesday was for family. Thursday was for mm. wow. their friends okay. at school or Singapore. That's great. And, mm. and the, the kids would always run to the fridge Um you know, after dinner or when we we're going to pray dinner and they would think, oh, what are we praying for today? And then they'd mm. you know, come back and pray for things. So we did that for a while. Mm. Uh, we obviously read them Jesus Storybook Bible. We would try and read to them in the evening sometimes before mm. they go to bed with varying degrees of success. Uh, mm. When the my two older ones were in primary school, we went through a period where we actually read through the New Testament together. Wow. Over two years, we read a chapter a day wow. and okay. I made them read it out loud. So okay. they have like 10 verses, the next one read 10 verses or a section and we mm. just talk through it. And we read through the New Testament, just the three of us um, over the over about two years, which wow. to me is like one of the greatest times we ever had. Just all the wow. questions that came out. But it was a very special time of their lives. They were mm. open to it. They were receptive. They were enjoying spending time with mm. me. They were feeling like they were reading the Bible. Mm. Um, uh, we haven't been as successful after then. I've tried to transition some of them to doing some of their own Bible reading now, also with varying mm. degrees of success. <laughs> um, now we try and do at least one family worship time a week. Okay. On okay. a Sunday night. Okay. And now... Like the Gettys? <laughs> uh, I don't know if it's like the Gettys, but we do <laughs> sing. So... And, so Our kids now play instruments. Okay. So now they actually want to play songs. So right. our youngest plays ukulele. Our son plays guitar. Sorry, wow. our son plays piano. Our oldest plays guitar. So they'll like pick a song and lead us. And then we often talk about the sermon or maybe some text. So mm. I guess the point is, it's looked really different over the years. And yes. we've definitely had periods where we just failed and haven't done it at all. If mm. I had to look back and say, have we done it well or poorly? I would say on the whole, we've probably done it badly. <laughs> um, with with like moments of success and victory, um, but as someone said, you know, it's just this is like a long, a long war that you're trying to to win. It is, and don't It worry is. about every day, every week. And if you try and do this three times a week and you fail and you only do it once a week, you're going to look back after 20 years and be like, you know what? Once a week we did this with our kids, and you're going to think that's amazing. But while you're doing it, you're going to think. Man, is this making any difference? So that's right. Slow and steady wins the race. That's right. That's right. And I feel that um, despite all the ups and downs, I think most importantly is to. I think that's also part of parenting as well, right? We really need the grace of God. Right. We really need the, whenever we fail, whenever we feel that we fall short, I don't think it's like um, it's also very easy for us to. Um, maybe parenting is such a heavy weight, as Mal mentioned in the beginning, to just beat ourselves up. Yes. But I think. Um, the more um, like positive way to think about it is, is again an attempt for us to repent and uh, and have faith and trust in Jesus, go to him for grace. But let's just start again, right? And I think it's the is is small things. Um, you don't see it. It's like suddenly you have sparks, but you don't. Um, it's not like every day you're gonna see wonderful things. That's a really really great point. I think. In many ways, yeah, we, we are just laying the kindling or the wood mm. and we're trusting that God is going to light a fire in their mm. hearts. And we can be faithful to just lay the wood, put the fuel on, but mm. the fire's got to come from above. And we look to him and we trust him that he's going to be a work on our kids. We can't manufacture that, but we can prepare it and we can, we can try and be faithful. And I think that's where we find ourselves very vulnerable and humble as parents, recognizing 
our kids see our own weaknesses, our own hypocrisy mm-hmm. um, all the time. And we are such imperfect parents. We just need the grace of God to be at mm. work in them, to help them come to faith and to, to really love him. So parenting will certainly drive us to our knees um, when we look at our kids and realize we don't have the power to actually make them spiritually alive. Well, I think that this is such a big topic. I feel that um, there's so many areas of parenting that we have not explored. We have not talked about discipline, for example. Uh, we could also talk about how family and the church community overlap. I think it's something very close to my heart as well. I also enjoyed looking at how um, the people I host actually in- engage my kids. You host a lot of people. I'm sure you have your observation on that as well. Uh, unfortunately, we do have to leave those uh, observations and discussions for another episode. We'll have to do that. It's been really great chatting today. Ed, thanks for your time. And again, to our listeners, thanks for joining us in this first season of Gospel Central. We are hoping that we'll be back with season two uh, in the new year. So be praying for that. And until then, uh, keep enjoying the beauty of Jesus and the wonder of what he's done for you.